Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome back to the CHGO White Sox postgame. Welcome into my living room. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter at EctorWall23. The guy to my camera left is Vinny Duber. He is a CHEO White Sox beat writer. Follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. The show you can follow on Twitter at CHEO underscore White Sox. And our regular partner, Sean Anderson, is enjoying a couple days off, a little rest and relaxation. And he's been watching this game for some reason. He was uh, tweeting along. I mean, if I'm at home chilling, I'm not watching these White Sox at all. But you can follow Sean at Sean underscore W. And you hear my dog underscore Anderson on Twitter. He just doesn't like Sean, apparently. He doesn't like Sean watching the White Sox game today, <laughs> especially after this one. The White Sox fall to the Los Angeles Angels by the score of 4-2. to two. But that, Vinny, is just a side note to what we witnessed tonight. Joey Tani, just ridiculously amazing story. I mean, I'm glad that we're alive at the same time to watch him play baseball. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I was getting I was getting some comments on Twitter after, you know, my fifth or sixth. Oh, my God, look at Otani uh, tweet of the night that was like, all right, we've had enough. Like, OK, fine, we get it. He's good kind of thing. But like, I'm not sure any of us really get how good he is. And, you know, for him to do what he did tonight, I mean, he won the game by himself, basically two home runs that accounted for two runs. And uh, that was the deficit or that was the, the, the margin of victory for the Angels. Um, and then he the pitching. Uh, he, he's not just a pitcher, guys. He's a really good pitcher. He's one of the best pitchers. Uh, he's one of the best hitters. I think I just saw on Twitter before we started the show, 13 homers this month for Otani, which ties the franchise record out there for the Angels. Uh, there are some games left. And remember, he's a pitcher. I mean, this this is just this is just out of control how good he is. Um, you're right. It, it's something that uh, we're going to look back on in in. 20, 30 years and whoever, whichever young whippersnapper is sitting next to us and be like, I remember staying up till 1145 and watching Shohei Otani <laughs> single-handedly beat the White Sox. So, um, listen, you know, it, it might be, uh, uh, it certainly isn't the outcome that, uh, White Sox fans and most of the people watching us wanted, but to be able to, uh, tune in tonight to, to see this, of the seven times that your team gets to play Otani and, and he does this uh, kind of performance, uh, consider yourself somewhat lucky that uh, that you got to see uh, uh, some good entertainment tonight. Yeah, and it's like, I'm actually, let me get to positives for the White Sox. Before I get into gushing about Joey Otani more, let me get to the good tonight for the White Sox. 
Aloy Jimenez is the bright spot for the White Sox tonight. Four hard hit balls, all of them over 100 miles per hour. Three of them off of Shohei Itani. So he wasn't uh, scared or afraid of Shohei Itani. You've seen him perfectly today. Got three hits today, including a double score to run in the ninth inning where Andrew Vaughn drove him in. The bad today was Michael Kopech. Um, he only gave up two runs. So, you know. That's good. Yes, giving up a solo home run to Shohei Itani. There is no shame in that game, as uh, we saw later on with Tuki Tassant. But wildness, like six walks today, just not crisp seven, at I think. all. Seven. Oh, yeah. Let me check it out. Yeah, seven walks today for uh, Michael Kopech. His last battery face was his seventh walk. Only three strikeouts, four innings pitch, four hits, and two runs given up. So, you know, run prevention, fine, but walking people is his bugaboo and it came back to get him today again, Vinny. I mean, it, it's, it, 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 it's somehow one of the worst uh, appearances of his season. And yet it was only two runs, but um, to get only 12 outs and walk seven guys, um, this is a problem for Michael Kopech, and it's been a problem all year long. What, what have we been talking about? Walks and homers for this guy, right? And so what did he do tonight? He walked seven guys and he gave up one really big homer to Shohei Otani. Um, you know, this is a, a trend. This is something that has been plaguing him throughout the season. Uh, it was kind of bad from the, it was pretty bad from the get go. I mean, 31 pitches in the first inning, and then he walks three guys in in the second. Thankfully, Yaz bails him out with some really nice throws down to second base to, to catch a couple of would be base stealers. But um, yeah, not a good night for Kopech. And, and, and really, after the way that he was reacting last time out, when Pedro took him out more so for, precautionary reasons or, or just, you know, preservation reasons more than anything, how uh, somber Michael was in the post game talking about how embarrassing it's been that he hasn't been able to pitch better or longer in games. And then to follow it up with this, you, you know, that he's not feeling good about what, uh, what he did tonight. Um, it was a, a poor showing for him. And yet his team was still very much in this ball game, um, even all through it with only two runs allowed by, uh, by the starter who had a, a really, a really bad night. And to speak to your uh, point there, in the second inning, he walks Renjifo to start the inning off. Renjifo gets thrown out by Yasmani Grandal and a great play by Elvis Andres blocking second base. Then he walks Wallach right after that happens. Then Wallach in a hit and run gets thrown out by 50 feet by Yasmani Grandal. Then he walks Fletcher again, walking another guy. And then they didn't dare run Fletcher, even though he's a little bit faster than Wallach. And then Kopech gets Mekki Moniak to pop out to um burger at third base but went three and two to that guy and to speak to all the struggles and the thing i see with michael kopech a theory i've been thinking about is that he since he hasn't really developed a strong like dependable number two pitch his slider is really good his curveball is really good but he doesn't like depend on these pitches he's mostly forcing fastball i think he's not afraid of contact but he wants to nibble too much because he knows that for the most part, he throws fastballs and he's tired of people, you know, teeing him up that one start he got against the Phillies where they were crushing him in the, on the Reds in the 16 to four uh, beat down to the Reds four solo shots there. But in his last three starts, June 16th versus the Seattle Mariners, uh, six walks there. He only gave up one earned run, but only pitched four and a third. The next start at, at home versus Texas four uh, four innings pitch, Three earned runs, walks three. You know, not enough length there again. And then today, same thing. Four innings pitch, he gives up two earned runs, and he walks seven. These things cannot happen, especially the one walk he gave to Otani. 
I know to start off the inning, you are very hard to intentionally walk somebody. But the way he pitched to Otani in the bottom of the third, he might as well. Only one of those pitches, the 3-0 pitch, was in the zone, and Otani didn't offer at it. And he pretty much just pitched all the way around him. And so if you're going to walk people, just put up the four. And if you're going to do that, I've said this before with uh, Pedro Grafal, uh, Ethan Katz, and uh, pitchers on the White Sox. If we're just going to do that thing where we're pitching around the player and not even coming close, just put the four up, let the man go to first and save four pitches for Michael Kopech because they might have helped him out later in the game because he could have ended on a strong note if the umpire woke up in the fifth inning where he throws a 97-mile-per-hour fastball at Shohei Tani's knees. It's strike three. It's in the zone. And he misses it right there, and then subsequently Shoei gets a single. So not a good game for Michael Kopech. And the ugly part of this whole thing, the top three batters went a combined one for 12 with eight strikeouts, three each for Tim Anderson and Luis Robert Jr., two for um, Andrew Benintendi. But when you have lack of production all the way throughout the lineup, but especially your first three hitters, it's tough to win. Tough to win. You only score two runs. Yesterday score one. Today they score two. Hopefully we get three tomorrow, Vinny. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is the same thing we keep talking about seemingly on a nightly basis at this point is is the bats. And, and you know, for all of the trouble that Michael Kopech had tonight, for all the guys that he put on base, he only gave up two runs. For the, the bullpen which wasn't looking as great as it's looked in, in recent, uh, in recent months, really um, only gave up two more runs. It's a four, two game with nobody out in the, in the, in the ninth inning. And, you know, four runs is something that this white Sox offense has seemingly been striving for. And that was the meager total, the somewhat meager total that the angels put up tonight. You got to score more than two runs when a baseball game, that's basically the case. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, the percentage is high, you know, in the nineties, I'm sure in order for uh, uh, that outcome to, to happen when uh, you know, you score more runs you, than two and you win. So that's the problem. The white Sox bats, I think they only had five or six hits going into the ninth inning before they made that little rally there at the end and, and put a bunch of guys on base. Of course it didn't really result in much either, but uh, this very well could have been another one run game for this team had, had uh, you know, that ninth inning not played out you know, in kind of wacky fashion, but it, it, the offense, the offense, the offense, the offense, it keeps coming back to that. And until these bats find some consistency, find some production, uh, it's going to be this on a regular basis because this is a, that was a very abnormal outing from a White Sox starting pitcher, uh, you know, from what they've done specifically the last two months, but really this season as a whole, Kopech has had some you know, consistent struggles, but he's also uh, turned in some some length as well uh, throughout the year. And certainly the other four guys have. So that was not what you are used to seeing if you're a White Sox fan from a starting pitcher. And it's and it's still a winnable game if the bats just wake up, if the bats could just, you know, do something. So um, that's that, that really, to me, is the story. Again, obviously, there was a lot to talk about in this one. And Shohei Otani is probably the headliner. But um the story again, White Sox lose because they can't score runs. Yeah, and I know we're uh, harping on that, but I want to get back to Kopech. Is I know that these people who are White Sox uh, front office people, coaches, management, all that stuff, probably see Kopech and most White Sox fans as a top rotation pitcher when his potential is met. And it's enticing because you see it. You see it. This year, you see the 10 strikeout games with minimal walks. 
you see him put it all together for very few starts. And then you get these three clustered of starts where he doesn't even get to five innings. Do you think the White Sox, I know they don't have the options, but do you think the White Sox are thinking or even mulling over maybe Michael Kopech isn't a major league starter? And since he only has the forcing fastball as his main pitch and he uses other pitchers, not sparingly, but not as much, is he more suited for the back end of the bullpen? I don't think they're thinking that, particularly not now at this point in his career. Obviously, his career has been going on for a while, but, uh, you know, the actual number of games and innings that he's pitched in the major leagues would would not indicate that based on the two full seasons that he missed. Um, I, I don't think that would probably be very much of a talking point or a question because it is a big one among uh, among a lot of White Sox fans. I don't think it would be one if he hadn't spent that year in the bullpen, kind of just building himself back up. That was done with a very specific purpose. I don't think it was done to say, oh, let's see what we've got uh, in Michael Kopech, the bullpen pitcher, maybe if he's not ready to be a starter. No, that was done particularly to manage his innings and manage his workload. So a management, by the way, that is still going on, as we heard from the last time he pitched uh, after he was taken out only after 80 some pitches. So um, I, I think it's still, he's still moving up in terms of, handling that workload and, and being uh, ready for that workload. Um, he would probably tell you that he is ready for it, but you know, I, I don't know if the, the, the way that the team has acted and the stuff Pedro said last week would really line up with that. That being said, they want to put him out there for every fifth day and, and, you know, have him go start 30 games a year. Um, and he might get close this year, but um, I, I, I don't think that they are thinking of him as anything but a starting pitcher because that potential, as you mentioned, is still very much there. It's just about ironing this out. Not so much of, man, they've really reached the end of the line with this guy. He's still pretty young and, and still, you know, not a lot of innings, major league ones, at least on that arm. Super chat from our guy, Jay Miller, three, three, eight, nine, five dollars. Super chat. Appreciate that. Boom, boom, boom. I'm sick and tired of Pedro's pin management and emptying of the bench for speed defense players who can't hit and put Tim on the IL or bat him seventh. And I'm just going to speak to the pin management. I actually don't mind Pedro's uh, pin management today. And uh, as of recently, he's, I think he's been fine. The bullpen has, for the most part, since May performed at a good to better level. I mean, Tuki Toussaint came in, and yes, he did give up the home run to Shoei Itani. Shoei Itani is kind of good, so I will forgive him for that. And then the second run comes in after a single by Mike Moustakis. But what Tuki Toussaint was given when he came in the game in the fifth inning to get the ground ball double play from Mike Moustakis and then strikeout Ward, I mean, he's strong. And Pedro saw it, and he's a good, valuable arm that can go long for a team. First, um, runs he's given up as a White Sox were today. I mean, it's his second appearance of the White Sox, but he looked good today. He uh, struck out to walk to, but got out of a couple jams where one was self-made. The other one was he got out of uh, Michael Kopex. Then you see Santos was good and Raylo was solid. So I don't think his bullpen management is anything that you would complain about either tonight or of recent. If you have any complaints about his uh, bullpen management or how he's been utilizing his bullpen. No, I mean, I think, you know, we kind of saw early on exactly how Pedro was going to manage this bullpen. And it does seem like he's got his guys that he goes to when they're winning and his guys that he goes to when when the game is either, you know, tied or losing. And, and you know, that hasn't really changed too much. I think um, he has stuck with his plan of matchups and the, the guys that can go after those certain parts of the batting order. 
I think he's really been very consistent with how he's used the bullpen, which is something that some people might appreciate. Um, but, you know, obviously there are nights where the bullpen pitchers aren't going to get the job done. And we saw that a lot in April. We haven't seen it very much at all in May and June. Um, but, you know, last night with Aaron Bummer, obviously, uh, you know, you, I understand some folks are are frustrated over the, the poor season that he's been having. But really, you know, the, this bullpen has been full of guys who have gotten the job done on almost, you know, on the vast majority of the times they've been sent out there. Um, so, you know, if, if you've got a, a, a problem with the, with the bullpen management, I'm going to go ahead and guess that that's results-based more than anything. Yeah, and the second part of that puts him on the I.L. or Batum 7th. If he's hurt, yes, put him on the I.L. Batum 7th, I've been asking and advocating for that for a while now. Uh, as we talked about earlier, he's 0 for 4 today, three strikeouts, didn't particularly look good today hitting the ball. There's one time he got contact with the ball as a weak grounder to third. Uh, Ren Hayfield takes care of him there. Um, I don't think it's going to happen because I think it's um, – I don't know. I don't think they're slow to move there, and it might be a good thing to be slow to move because you need to garner, garner the player's trust and garner the player's uh, support. And if you're going to say, hey, Tim, you're going to get out of this, and then you drop him down to the seventh spot. I can understand how a player could say, you say I can get out of this and you've got faith in me, but also you're dropping me down. But at a point, there has to be some time where you say, okay, Tim is not actively hurting the team, but he's not actively helping the team right now, especially with the bat. I mean, listen, this is a player who not only coming into this year, but certainly even through his struggles, the White Sox consider one of the best and most important players on their team. And it just so happens that that guy with that description is having a very bad season to this point. Um, But I mean, think about it. If you, you know, this is one of the guys that they built the team around. If you've got a, an all-star, this guy's a two-time all-star. Now you got that guy or an all-star, I should say, just a, a general one without a name attached to it. And he doesn't have a good season. You're just gonna you're just gonna discard him because of because of it's not going good right in the moment. They still believe that he can get this going, and really they don't have a choice. He, they've pinned their hopes to him as as everything that led into this season should have uh, shown you that they should have. So this is a, a star player of theirs. This is a top flight player of theirs in their mind, even if it, it hasn't been that way in your mind uh, as a fan. They're sticking with him. It's obvious. You're not you're not you know was. It, what if Frank Thomas had had a bad year in the middle of, of, of his career? You're just going to get rid of him. You're just going to bench him. You know, I mean, that's the kind of impact that they believe that Tim Anderson certainly has made and can make going forward for this team. So yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see him be um, kind of thrown away. Uh, certainly from the roster standpoint, as Fred points out, I, I don't really know who you want. If you want Tim Anderson, uh, you know, benched or, or sent away and or pulled out of this lineup in some regard, who are you going to put there? Because the only option right now is what is Zach Remillard. I mean, go, goes mm-hmm. and is your everyday second baseman as if Elvis slides over. I mean, Elvis Andres not having a very good year either. So, um, you know, there, there really aren't many choices from a roster standpoint. It, it seems that this is more of an off season wish that people are, are pushing for rather than an in season one. Um, listen, Tim knows that he's not doing well. Pedro knows that Tim's not doing well. I know that Tim's not doing well. Everybody does, but this is one of the guys that, that, this lineup was built to built around and, and he's not going away just because of a, a bad few months. And I know what you're saying, but Tim Anderson, Frank Thomas, 
Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people went, whoa, at that point. But uh, I guess I was just uh, trying to think back to go back to a uh, another White Sox who was the best player on his team at one point and, and, and how you would treat him. But of course, Frank Thomas, one of the best hitters ever. Uh, Tim Anderson, though, face of the franchise, just like Frank was for, for a good long while there. So I, I think uh, I think there's something to be said. All right. After the break, we will go more in depth into what Shoei Otani did today, some of the feats that he accomplished today and just overall how great he is because i'm i can't talk about the white Sox when this greatness is right right in my face it's right there in my face i can't do it and if i do have this brightness in my face you know what i can wear Vinny? shady wow. rays oh wow okay i didn't see where that was going there for a while <laughs> take on the sun with gear bear built to last our friends at shady rays have you covered from the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair they've worn. Uh, Durable flames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacement policy. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair with no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support for nonprofits partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. From building playsets to pediatric cancer patients, no, sorry, for building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team is always has your back. Shady Rays' independent sale is live right now. Go to ShadyRays.com and get 50% off a single pair of sunglasses. Try yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. I'm and hoping usually, I can use mine tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I mean, today, today it was oof. brutal, man. That was, that was, that was awful. I, I know that we saw because the White Sox were in New York, obviously when it was, uh, when the wildfire smoke was affecting New York so dramatically. So, you know, we, we were following along with that because that's where the White Sox were at the time, but whew, to, to have to deal with that today, that was, I mean, I was out and about in the afternoon. That was, it, you, it smelled the whole city. So you smelled, it was, you know, I was starting to get a, a little sore throat from being out a little headache. So Ooh, that is no joke, and, and it was it was unpleasant. Yeah, busted out the mask for the first time of going outside for since a while because the first time I went out to walk Ziggy, like you, I had a slight headache when I came back. I was like, I could feel, I could smell the smoke in the air, and I hope that blows out and I don't have to deal with it again. And like you said, you can use our Shady Rays to block the sun out. And Foco, usually we're on the set, and we have uh, Foco donating a few awesome pieces like our Tim Anderson bobblehead, our uh, – uh, Vinny bobblehead as Sean affectionately calls it. Uh, and so show them some love because you can get fitted on the best sports gear around at FOCO hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, everything in between it's spring and baseball season, Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for the game. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non pre-sale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Now to that man who started on the mound today and also batted second and it was a designated hitter. His name is Shoei Atani. Tweet from Chris Kamka of NBC Sports Chicago. Shoei Atani, 
first career game with 10-plus strikeouts on the mound and a homer at the plate. He's the first player in Angels history to do it, the first American leaguer since CeCe Sabathia, June 21st, 2008, to do that feat. And Sarah Langs of MLB, most home run hit in the calendar month, made multiple pitching starts, MLB history. 2021, June, Shohei Itani, 13. 2023, June, Shohei Itani, 13. I repeat, please do not ever take this for granted. So the national people are just going wild, gushing over what Shohei Itani has done, and he deserves every adulation that he gets and more. Just like I said before, it's so pleasurable to be alive at the same time and to watch this guy do what he does because think about all the times that Dylan C strikes out 10 batters. Now imagine if Dylan C goes to the bat and you know, that Cincinnati game says anything he hit, he went three for three and hit a triple, I believe in that game going to hit and getting three hits and two of them going over the fence. This guy is just amazing. And there's, there's words just fail when you're describing this guy, because you can use them all. Every word that says incredible, that's showing a tiny event. Benny. Well, it's funny, I, you know, I was mentioning some of the reactions, you know, that I saw some from Sox fans earlier tonight. And, and, and indeed, there is nothing that local fans or just fans in general hate more than every than everybody, particularly the national media, telling them how great the guy on the other team is. Right. And so <laughs> I understand where, where that frustration comes from sometimes. But uh, another thing came to mind too, Herb. I don't know if you remember this post Jordan. The Bulls, several years, you know, several years into the post-dynasty era, the Bulls ran an ad campaign one year where it was basically them saying, come down to the United Center and watch all the other great players that, that come through, right? So the, there's guys, that, you know, it's, it's a commercial <laughs> and it's like, oh, I go to the Bulls games and I get to see Kobe Bryant. I get to see Kevin Garnett kind of thing. And it always made me laugh because you're like, are you, why aren't you just advertising your team? This doesn't make any sense. But for... Shohei Otani, for, for White Sox fans to be able to six, seven times a year, be able to watch that guy play, not only worth the price of admission, it's worth staying up late on a West Coast uh, you know, night when they're all the way out in Anaheim. It is a, a, a something that we've never seen before, that nobody has ever seen before. You could be 100 years old listening to this podcast. You've uh, been a baseball fan for a century. You've never seen this before. Uh, and so... You know, there's a reason that uh, that that the Bulls marketing department maybe thought that was a good idea back in the day, because one of those guys and and I mean, you know, Shohei in this case is the is a reason that you would turn on a game, no matter whether your team is winning, losing. They're playing that guy. Hey, it's time to watch some some not just greatness. Greatness is not the word because it, it's applicable, certainly, but it is just so unique and you get to watch this this one in a million thing um something that's never happened before it's pretty cool yeah and it's just so refreshing and he plays on a team with a guy who mike trout did not play tonight um um but weirdly enough hunter renfro did play hmm there's some, some concern there they look so alike maybe they're the same guy but mike trout didn't play and he is thought to be an all-time great some think he is the all-time greatest player of all time and i know people are in the comments or listening driving to work tomorrow if you listen on the podcast and you're like babe ruth you're yelling from the top of your lungs babe ruth did this he didn't he pitched full time and hit full time i think for only two years i believe 
1918 and 1919. Uh, I don't know. Let me get my story in here. Somebody who was around back then. But yes, he only pitched and hit full-time those two years. Shohei Itani's third year, I think, if it suits me right. Yeah, third year he's going to be doing this full-time, and this is his walk year. I know it's not your money, Vinny. It's not my money. What I would do, the old story about Andre Dawson getting a blank check from the Cubs, I literally would do that for Shohei Itani. Say, brother, what do you want? Are you are you want seven hundred million? I'm good for it. Whatever you got, just put down a number. We'll work out the years. Whatever you got, because to have this guy in your building, as you said yesterday, having the the people who made Pac Man being advertised behind him every time, the money you're going to get from that, the exposure you're going to get from that. If you bring him out from the West Coast, as you were talking about yesterday, when you're in Kentucky in the East Coast time zone. If you bring him to the center of the center of the country or to the east coast of the country, his popularity is going to grow that much more because people can actually stay up and watch him. Right now, we're tired as hell, and we're still talking about him only because the White Sox played about it. I'm not watching a Shohei Tani game if the White Sox are not playing versus him, and it's not you know directly in my line of sight. So yeah, he can be even more of a beast if some team decides, hey, I'm going to just pay him what he wants. What do you think, Vinny? What do you think the ballpark is going to be this offseason for his services to become somebody's ace and also best hitter? Well, that's the thing. And I think when you're when you're talking about the money, you know, you say, oh, my God, throw 700, 800 million. Well, people give out 400 million dollar contracts to one guy now to do one to do one of those two things. Exactly. And I mean, you look at the the amount of money that the. San Diego Padres have spent in recent years on, on players, uh, you know, they've spent more money than you'd spend on, on two, you know, they've probably spent an equal amount on two guys that they've, or, or just one really, because Manny Machado keeps getting new contracts. They, they keep, uh, they can uh, spend as much money on two guys as you could on Otani. Otani's going to be a Cy Young caliber pitcher and an MVP caliber bat. That's one guy. And, and so if you're going to give him $750 million and you go, oh, my God, that's so ridiculous. Why would you do that? Well, you'd give it to two guys. Well, maybe not you, but someone would give it to two guys. He's He's got that in one in one package. So when you're talking about the amount of money, I think that's what you got to think about. He basically is, is going out there getting two contracts. So, you know, he he's unbelievable. And, and like you said, the star power is is potentially unmatched. I mean, I, I think you're you're right right now. A, because it's baseball, and that's how baseball is compared to football and basketball. There's just the star power isn't the same. It doesn't equate. But that whole, you know, half the country more than and certainly more than half of the baseball watching populace uh, is asleep when he's playing. Imagine if he's on national TV every single week, multiple times a week because he plays for, uh, you know, the Mets or the Phillies or whoever. So, um you know, I, I'm not sure who's going to get him and who's going to go get him, but certainly every team should want to go get him because uh, he he strikes as the kind of guy who would certainly be worth the investment if you're talking the relative financial terms of professional sports. Two trivia questions before uh, I go to a break here, Vinny, and uh, comments our first read in this break. How many MVPs did Babe Ruth get in his career, in his illustrious Ooh, career? That's a good one. I'll say it was probably a lot, right? Like... I would guess high. I'll say, I'll say five. One. 
Wow, how about that? The most valuable player award wasn't introduced until 1931. Okay, so it was a trick question. It was. He he <laughs> won that one. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. Uh, so it was and, a trick question. All right, thanks. This one's a little bit harder. This is courtesy of John Boy Media. There are four pitchers since 2000 that are left-handed pitchers that have won at least 200 wins, have 200 wins since the year 2000. They all are left-handed. Can you give me all four of these pitchers? Let me Kershaw. give you. A, let me give you a hint. If you need it, you can get one hit. If you need it, Kershaw is correct. Kershaw is one. Two hundred wins is a lot. It is. One you don't have to go that far for. Well, two you don't have to go that far for actually. Meaning, meaning what? Like they're outside my window? Is that well, the idea? They could theoretically could have been a couple years ago. How about Mark Burley? Then we'll go with him. Correct, Marcus Burley. Uh, Mark Allen Burley. And the other one's got to be a Cub. John Lester. John Lester is number three. That was that was my hint, that there that there was the two yeah. Chicago guys. All right, so I got to come up with the other one all, all on my own. Um, Fred, your answer is incorrect. So is yours, Anthony. They both guessed for Randy Johnson. No. No. He had no. over 200 wins not right. since 2000. Right. Um. Any more? I mean, this guy played for a couple teams, but he's most known for for one team in particular. Most known for one team. Thank you, Herb. What a hint. I mean, let's see. <laughs> Two Midwest teams he played for, and then he played for an East Coast team. He's a left-handed starter. Clemens is a right-handed starter, David. Oh, let's go uh, Sabathia. CC Sabathia is the correct answer. I so, did it. Wow. Yeah. And that's just my, me wanting to... Uh, put Mark Burley into any conversation that I have because that's how good he is. And Fred, no, not Andy Pettit. Mark Burley's better than Andy Pettit. So was this we, just random? This didn't have anything to do with Otani. Nothing to do with the game. I just wanted to say <laughs> I had two quick trivia questions. The Babe Ruth one had to do with Otani. And then, yes, this one I saw the other day on uh, while I was doing research on Reed Detmers, actually. He guessed pretty much all four of those guys with uh, the help of another lefty, Patrick Sandoval, who I think the White Sox will see this series let's see uh, tomorrow's Berea, and then i think patrick sandoval is the thursday pitcher all right here's a comment read if any you ready for it i am the comment energy efficiency program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future you know you're right herb comed offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial industrial and public sector customers of all sizes across our beloved territory here in the land of lincoln comed also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy saving opportunities like those for hvac systems commercial kitchen equipment or industrial processes how does that work Vinny? herb i'm glad you asked and i'm more happy that i have the answer uh, it's written right here in front of me. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project cost, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you, Herb, or any of our wonderful listeners own a business, do not wait. And here's the CTA, the highlighted portion, the Chicago Transit Authority, if you will. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy-saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. 
Is that comed.com slash powering biz, Vinny? It is, Herb. Do not need to adjust your set or your headphones or your, you know, hearing aid or whatever it is you use. It was <laughs> comed.com slash powering biz. And you all out there should schedule it today. CHGO is supported by a Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. Thank you, Vinny. The beer rosters include Goose IPA, a six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest, always in style, citrus aroma with bold hop finish, tropical beer hug, dry hopped Imperial IPA, 9.9 alcohol. That's dangerously easy to drink. Trust me, it's awesome. And get you right there when you need to. 312 Weed Ale, their landmark trademark. Everybody loves the 312. I usually drink it. While I'm at the studio, the full pocket pills, the everyday beer. It's what the brewers at the uh, Goose Island Beer Company are drinking. So My when Jeff, beer, when Jeff Jenkins and Richie Sexton come down, that's what they drink. Of course. Or our guy, Corey Hart. Jeremy Burnitz and Lyle Overbay are drinking that. Carlos Lee is drinking it. And Bob Euchre. <laughs> How far can we go with these brewers? Uh, Italian, Polish, hot dog. Chorizo, brat, they're all they're all drinking it. And kielbasa. Um, my favorite beer is the Matilda. I just had it recently. I was at a bar in Logan Square, and I was like, you know what? I've never tried the Matilda yet. And I was like, where has this been all my life? Literally, people, I put it on my Twitter, and I was like, this beer is the stuff. Acting like I was damn Christopher Columbus of uh, <laughs> discovering America, and people like. And we've been knowing Matilda's and stuff. It's like so, try Sophie too if you're if you're a newbie to that. And I haven't tried Sophie either yet. You have but, to. I love the Sophie. So we went, as you know, we went a couple weekends ago to the to the Dead and Company concert at Wrigley Field. We somehow managed to secure uh, some space inside of a nearby establishment after the show, and that's what I had. I had myself a Sophie. I could see it in the fridge down there. The bartender's like, "We don't have that, man. I don't know." And I'm like, "I'm seeing it in your fridge right there. Just give me the bottle. I'm just hand it to me." Sophie, so good. Bartenders trying to hoard it from themselves. That's what it That's is. The tagline right there. <laughs> and I was at a place called Gretel Good Burgers, too. Logan Square, right up there in uh, Armitage. Uh, let's see. Grab an ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beers at Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or at their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Tomorrow's matchup for the Chicago White Sox at the Anaheim slash Los Angeles Angels. It will be Jaime Barilla versus Lucas Giolito. And if you remember what Jaime Barilla did versus the White Sox, let me refresh you a little bit. Five innings pitched on May 31st. He gave up one earned run, three walks, struck out six. On the year, Jaime Barilla is doing pretty well for himself. Two and two with a 2-1-4 ERA. And, of course, Lucas Giolito is the White Sox staff ace looking for a bounce back. Can the White Sox finally salvage a win out there tomorrow in Anaheim with Lucas on the bump? I mean, he would give you as good a chance of anybody, but uh, listen, the last two nights, and particularly uh, uh, in the Monday night game, Dylan Cease was just fantastic. And so, you know, it, all these guys have been giving them chances to win. It's a matter of whether those bats are going to come alive or not. Um, you know, We've been watching Luis Robert Jr. do such incredible things over the last couple of months, the last few months. And, you know, on a night like tonight that everybody's going to have, even a guy who might end up in the MVP conversation or the second place conversation to the, to the <laughs> guy who, uh, who, who we all got to watch this evening. Um, 
has a night where he has three strikeouts and doesn't get any hits. And, you know, you can't expect him to literally do it every single day. Like, and, you know, like, like we were talking about on Sunday when he was the difference in that game with the two home runs that he hit. So um, he's going to need some help. And uh, Hey, you mentioned Aloy tonight. Aloy looked fantastic. Um, But again, consistency, these guys got to show up on, on a far more regular basis than they've been showing up. um, And they got to help Luis out. On the day that Lucas pitched versus the Anaheim Angels at home, it was May 30th. He went five innings, gave up three earned, struck out five, only gave up two walks. But he was hit pretty hard by the Anaheim Los Angeles Angels. Uh, I recall Ward hit him hard. Shoyotani, of course, hit him hard for a home run. But the White Sox won that game by the score of seven to three. So Lucas does give the team a chance to win and last time uh, that he did take the mound for the Anaheim Angels, and to to his credit, like when he goes home and plays his uh, his teams that that are close to home, like the Dodgers in L.A. and this one, uh, the Anaheim Angels, Lucas shows up and pitches. I would say tomorrow is a pretty large game because of the people he'll be facing. I hope Mike Trout's back in there, and then Shohei Itani. I think tomorrow qualifies as a large game, and if we can get Lucas Giolito to step up. He still has an outside shot as being an all-star representative, joining his teammate Luis Robert as an all-star up there in Seattle. A performance against one of the two best hitters in baseball and another great hitter, Mike Trout, could uh, catapult him into uh, all-star status for next uh, two weeks from now in Seattle. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, you know, you would probably bet against that maybe considering that the White Sox are you know, record wise where they are um, that usually doesn't garner multiple all-star selections, but Lucas has been very good. It's just whether they need another pitcher on that staff, probably Um, Luis Robert juniors kind of, I don't want to say emergence, but the fact that he's been on a hot streak here of late uh, has kind of propelled him in front. I think, even as recently as like a week ago, it was a question. It was a conversation we were having, you know, at the ballpark in the, in, in the press box, be like, Oh, maybe Lucas could be the guy who, who goes for them. And then Luis, you know, decided to hit a whole ton of home runs in a very short amount of time, but um, he's been really good. And you talk about giving the team a chance to win. He's been doing it basically every time out. He's been probably the most reliable guy that they have in terms of giving the team a chance to win. So if you're, um, just looking for the percentages. He's probably the guy to, to count on tomorrow. But that being said, Dylan Cease was just excellent on Monday night and uh, and, and couldn't, couldn't get a win out of the deal uh, there either because the offense only scored one run. And as Melissa Sage Bolenbach says, I will miss Lucas, but he needs to be traded. Playoff teams are desperate for pitching, and we meet, we might be able to get some value because Lord knows we won't give him the qualifying offer. I think they've learned their lesson in the qualifying offer. And I think if they keep Lucas Giolito, one of the things they'll keep him for is to give him the qualifying offer. I don't think that the White Sox will be making a mistake twice in that regard where they didn't offer one to Carlos Rodon. And I, I, I'm with you, Melissa, but also I want the White Sox to compete. And even though they're 13 games below the 500 mark, they're in this garbage division. Twins keep losing. Some, yeah, and they're under 500 <laughs> still. And now the Guardians, I think, are only half game behind them. That's the thing I worry about the most: the Guardians, not the Twins. Even though the Twins' uh, pitching staff has been solid, I think maybe you can think about trading a couple of these guys away, and then thinking that you can maybe compete still because it's such a crappy division. But 
I I would say hmm, if I had to be put feet to the fire today, yes, I would be open to trading all these people. But one of the people I wouldn't be like I'll be resistant to be Lucas Giolito because I just think the guy is just a solid guy, firstly, and then a great pitcher, not good, great pitcher because he doesn't have premium stuff like the, his two other teammates in Michael Kopech and uh, Dylan Cease. He has great, good stuff, not great stuff but he just knows how to work it. He knows how to manipulate it. And some might say, oh, he's just doing this as a contract year. I don't care what he's doing. It. He's doing it in the major leagues this year. And while some of his uh, compatriots on his pitching staff are not doing as well, he's stepping up to the plate and doing a great job. So, yeah, I would love to have him on the team. And trading him doesn't preclude the White Sox from resigning him, as David Barista puts up. So they can trade him, and then he can just come on back. I think Scott Feldman did that with the Cubs uh, one of those years. So I would be in for that because having Lucas on this team, especially the dearth of starting pitchers in the rotation and how well he's pitched, I would love to have him. He's a great leader for this team and a great uh, ambassador off the field too. So, uh, yeah, I'm giving too much credit. Uh, I Maybe. I'm just, you know, it's 12 o'clock. I love uh, Lucas G. Whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring up a couple of points, and, and I think one in favor of trading him or, or a number of other people would be, remember what Rick Hahn said the last time that he talked to us, which was, you know, the ability for this team to make some noise in the playoffs might end up being more important than their ability to just win the division. And right now, we see that they aren't really much different in the standing in the division that they than they were a week, a month, two months ago kind of thing, they have uh, managed to kind of stay within striking distance because the Twins keep losing. Uh, but the other, th- the, the other thing is, though, that they're probably not going to be a very competitive playoff team if they were to make a push and win the division. All you got to do is look at how they're playing against some of these other playoff caliber teams. It's not getting the job done. So maybe that is in more a, a point in more in favor of Rickon dealing Lucas or whoever else. The other thing I will say is if uh, what you brought up with the qualifying offer, just the difference between the situation involving Lucas and Carlos Rodon, Lucas Giolito hasn't spent a lot of time on the injured list and and, and Carlos Rodon had, and yes, they managed to have a one very, very terrific season with Carlos Rodon where he was able to stay mostly healthy. Obviously we'll remember how the end of that season went for him from a health standpoint, Um, probably barely able to make that start that brief start that he did in the playoff game against the Astros, but they, they maybe didn't have a history of health to lean on that could, that would have pushed them over the edge in making that qualifying offer that they do with Lucas Giolito. I think you, if, if for some reason the, it played out that he was still on this team through the end of the season, and then they had to make that decision, they'd be far more confident in making it with him because they know that they get a guy that can post, uh, you know, every five days and has done that for many years in a row, as opposed to Carlos Rodon, who despite a tremendous season before they had to make that decision, um, had a, a very noteworthy and, you know, if you want to use the word alarming or, or you know, bad, whatever, history of, of health issues uh, going into that decision-making. So I think those two... Um, players have a very different uh, track record as, as you would lead up to that conversation. If it manages to get there with, with Lucas Giolito. And David Barista wants to know, does uh, Lucas know about his moniker LGLG? 
if you saw the uh, the one-on-one interview I did with him in, uh, in in on our show for last week, uh, I did inform him of that. He did not really have much of a reaction, so perhaps uh, he he was thinking about something else, or 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 perhaps just didn't like that nickname. But uh, we're uh, probably going to keep using it. I'm guessing. Yeah, he's he's going to warm up to it. He's going to like <laughs> trademark it soon when he's on some other team. All right. Uh, last thing I got for you guys, and this is a big time thing. We're uh, having a meetup next month Cubs Sox when they play their crosstown rivalry will be taken over so I think the White Sox play on the 26th of July at home at Guaranteed Rate go to allchgo.com sign yourself up as a diehard member and you get a discounted rate like uh, Melissa Bolin uh, Sage Bolenbach has already signed up she's a diehard member really appreciate her support she'll be there kicking it with us we're in uh, section 529 that night so you get a free t-shirt it's a white Sox themed t-shirt if you're a white Sox fan you get a cubs themed t-shirt because of the guys from chgo cubs are pairing up with us so it's a chgo baseball takeover for the series of against the cubs the games at guaranteed rate and the game on i think august 16th at wrigley field 705 start versus the white Sox. that day you will get uh, meet up for that one. That's a separate ticket. It's a separate price. You'll get a t-shirt in that meetup also. So go to allchgo.com and look for that on the front page. And also while you're at allchgo.com, check out Vinny's latest articles and all his articles, allchgo.com, where you can find Vinny Duber, the CHGO White Sox beat reporter, and follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber, on the great tweeter machine. Sean Anderson, usually here. He's at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. He is the host of CHGO, and he'll be back on Thursday. The show is at CHGO underscore White Sox, and my name is Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter if you want to follow me there. We'll be with you again after the White Sox win tomorrow night versus the Anaheim Angels. Even if they lose, Bold bold prediction. Bold prediction from Herb. Hey, and by the way, with the pick-to-clicks, I won. I, predict, I predicted Gavin's going to hit a home run. He became three bases short. He only got a single. <laughs> but he did but drive I, in a run. He did drive in a run. So I think I can wear the crown for one day that Gavin Sheets was the pick to click. You had Vaughn and Sean, I think, jokingly again picked Andrew Benintendi. Ah, shut, Sean. I'm still going to give him a timeout. Yeah, give him a timeout because he picked Andrew Benintendi today. So join us tomorrow evening after the White Sox versus the Anaheim Angels. Probably 11.20, 11.30. If we can get an 11.10 start, it'd be perfect, man. Maybe. That'd be awesome. So join us for the post game. We'll be getting your breakdown and getting you set for the next game on Thursday. For Vinny Duber, for our producer, Kevin Wells, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on CHGO White Sox. Peace. Mm-hmm.